On first down, the handoff to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10. He's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT, and he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice podcast. I am your host, Cody Felger, your other host, Derek Larger. Derek, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, not too bad, man. You know, days are still going by. Uh, just kind of waiting for some warmer weather to approach this week. Uh, supposed to be yes. getting into the 80s, the high 70s, low 80s around here uh, in northern Kentucky for uh, later this week. So I'm excited for that. Maybe get wow. some time outside. But, you know, just going about my days, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and especially from Memorial Day right around the corner. Definitely mm-hmm. want it to be nice out to be able to celebrate that with friends and family. So I hear you there. Um, so, Derek, the the Colts just had um, – so both of their coordinators, their offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, and their defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, they talked with the local media um, via Zoom and kind of just shared their thoughts overall. Um, this is the first time we've heard them this offseason – since everything that all the moves and all the drafting the Colts have done on both sides. And, you know, we kind of wanted to look at that a little bit, give our take on kind of some of the things that both of these coordinators said and kind of just have a good discussion about it. And so that's kind of going to be the focal point of this podcast today. And so we can start here, Derek, with the offense, Nick Sirianni up first. Uh, What were some points that you took away from Nick Sirianni's talk with the media? Yeah, so first thing I wanted to mention, so I don't forget it, because I couldn't find the tweet before, but somebody had mentioned how uh, Sirianni mentioned how uh, Jacob Eason, uh, they were talking about the coaching that he received, and they said that uh, he really respects the coaches that Eason was with, and the intelligence and the knowledge they put in him. Uh, Sirianni says that he's already ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, Eason's intelligence about the game and just his understanding of it. So very good words uh, from the offensive coordinator himself. I mean, everybody kind of noticed how Sirianni felt about that um, in the uh, Colts episodes uh, for the draft. So everyone knows how he feels about that one. Uh, I felt that that was, that kind of shed some light. Cause you know, we've seen some tweets from some people saying that he has character issues or he's kind of lazy, doesn't know football that well or anything. Then just to hear that from your offensive coordinator saying that he's already ahead of the curve from where Sirianni thought he was originally and other people were, I mean, it's got to make you feel a little bit better about his potential future. Does it not? Mm -hmm. It definitely does. And you know, I wonder if already he started to make those connections with Philip Rivers, with Jacoby Brissett. You know, obviously they can't physically meet, but 
you know, from all accounts, I mean, what, what else can you do at this point? It seems like Jacob Eason's doing everything that he can, you know, to, to make those connections and to get ahead of the curve. Like you said, he's got all the physical intangibles. He seems like he's a very smart quarterback. Um, you know, there are just some questions like you mentioned, you know, is he passionate enough about the game? Um, there's just different things about his character and it certainly is encouraging from a Colt standpoint and from a fan standpoint to kind of hear Nick Sirianni say he's already ahead of the curve. It's like, okay, he's starting off good. He's go, he's getting to a good start here in his rookie year. So uh, certainly encouraging. Yeah. To hear that from Nick Sirianni, your offensive coordinator on that. Yeah. I mean, it's quite funny. Cause you know, again, we were talking about this before how, you know, Eason has only played, you know, what was it? 19 games in his college career before ultimately now he's, you know, in the NFL. So again, still a young guy, lots of learning to do. So that's good hearing. So let's shift here to uh, what Zach Kiefer was saying on Twitter. Uh, We were looking at a lot of the guys that were tweeting about these earlier. and We kind of took some notes here from Zach and a few others. Uh, So they were talking about T.Y. Hilton. And obviously, T.Y. Hilton being 30 years old, about to be 31 this year. And he, in the last two seasons, he's had some difficulties with injury. But again, Sirianni just hit the point of he's going to remain the focal point of the Colts passing attack, even with some of the new additions. Um, Sirianni even went as far as to say the offense runs through him. And it's kind of funny because, you know, we we talk a lot about, you know, Run the damn ball, right? That's the motto of the Colts now. And the two-headed monster that they have with Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. And, you know, T.Y.'s numbers have kind of dropped a little bit over the last few years with things of that, with injuries and everything else happening at quarterback. But you do look back and all those years with Andrew Luck, I mean, T.Y. Hilton really was the focal point. He was the guy. He's the guy that could go out and make that big play for you every Sunday, and you always relied on him to be that guy, right? I mean, Sirianni says he envisions a lot more deep shots with T.Y. this year as opposed to last year. You know, T.Y. has taken a lot of those with Andrew Luck, and given Phillip Rivers' tendency to throw the ball deep, uh, he doesn't see much changing w- in regards to that with T.Y. So, you know, it's got to feel good knowing that T.Y. Hilton, even with some of the question marks surrounding him, Sirianni still has all the confidence in the world that T.Y. Hilton's going to be still remain the guy on the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he should. I mean, he's earned that right. He's been phenomenal throughout his career. Ever since he was drafted in 2012, he has just been electric for the Colts. And you mentioned it, you know, he struggled with the injuries the last few years. 2018, he had like basically his entire like leg was completely like injured, but he played through it. His, you know, I believe it was like a upper and lower ankle injury on the same leg, played through it and was just, you know, a warrior for the Colts. Last year was a little bit different. There's a lot of different factors that contributed, you know, to kind of, you know, you normally when you think of T.Y. Hilton, you think, oh, he's probably going to go for near a thousand yards, if not over a thousand yards. This was one of the first seasons in a long time that T Y Hilton did not go over a thousand yards. And again, there are a lot of factors to that. You mentioned the quarterback play, um, you know, Nick Sirianni talking about this year, there's going to be a lot more deep shots. I mean, you look at Jacoby Brissett, he's a guy that was afraid to take risks last year, a guy that did not 
throw it deep, and the Colts suffered. The offense suffered. I mean, I think they were something like 28th in deep passes in the league last year, which is obviously not going to get the job done. But, yeah, you're right. You know, with with Phillip Rivers and his tendency, you know, say what you want about Phillip Rivers with the turnovers and everything, the Chargers still had a pretty dang good passing offense in terms of passing yards. Right. And so Phillip Rivers is a guy that loves to do that. He loves to give his guys deep shots, and that is T.Y. Hilton's game. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Andrew Luck just threw the ball up and T.Y. Hilton, you know, just outran everybody Yep, and, you know, took it to the house. And that's T.Y. Yep. Hilton's game, amongst other things. But I know he loves those deep shots because he's a burner, right? He's so yep. fast. He's hard to keep up with. And that fits and translates really well with what the Colts want to do on offense. So I think it should. I really do. You know, and you mentioned the Colts now, presumably, they've added more help for T.Y. Hilton. You know, if everybody stays healthy, the Colts are going to have other guys that defenses are going to have to worry about now. Yeah. So T.Y. Hilton's going to get a lot more one-on-one opportunities. And, you know, he yep. thrives in that. Yep, so absolutely. I love that. You know, our account tweeted out the other day, who is the most underrated Colts player on the current roster? And I had to say T.Y. Hilton because I feel like the man has just been disrespected time and time again. Yep. He's put up, you know, multiple thousand-yard seasons. Um, he's led the led the league in in yards, receiving yards one year. He's just been so good, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, every year he seems like he's consistently a playmaker for the Colts. And it's it's good to see Nick Sirianni recognizing that and saying, Yeah, T. Y. Hilton's our guy. Like we love T. Y. We we know what he's done and we know what he still can do. Mm-hmm. You gotta think T. Y. Hilton's such a competitive guy, right? Yep. You know, coming off that really just disappointing season last year for you know T.Y. Hilton individually and the Colts collectively, you got to think there's going to be some fire under T.Y. Hilton, and he's going to be a guy that's you know motivated more yep. than a lot of others. And he's the guy that's going to go out there. He's going to make sure he's healthy for all the games, and uh, hopefully he's going to get a lot more opportunities to make big plays, which seems like, and get more opportunities to make those deep deep throws and deep catches. So um, yeah, I love that from Nick Sirianni. Yeah, and Sirianni also mentioned how Philip Rivers is really receiver friendly. You know, he they get to know each other really well, um, and pretty fast. You know, because Philip is a kind of guy that doesn't like to hide anything from anyone, and you know he he spreads the wealth. Um, it, it felt a lot last year, like and a couple other years where certain receivers would get targeted a lot more than others. Uh, it, that's usually not the case with Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is a guy that definitely likes to spread the wealth um just throws it anywhere that somebody's open uh, you're you're not going to you know it's not going to be a system where one guy is going to demand the ball 15 times no it, it, one game somebody's going to uh get great numbers and another guy is the next game it's just how it is with Philip and they were as- actually asking him uh what the biggest selling point was for Philip Rivers coming to uh, Indianapolis and immediately Sirianni mentioned it was the offensive line. You know, you got Anthony he's in Phillips direct words, Anthony Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, Mark Lewinsky, those five names, you know, immediately just told, told everyone, Hey, Phillip rivers wants to come here. Cause this offensive line, I mean, you know, it said a lot about what the chargers offensive line has been over the last few years. Not very good. Whereas this offensive line right now is really good. And again, it's going to keep Philip Rivers upright a lot more. It's going to give him a little bit more time to throw the ball the way he wants to. You expect those interception numbers to go down. Uh, again, it's really nice to see 
Sirianni mentioning that Phillips biggest reason for wanting to come was the offensive line and a position where, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of people give a lot of credit to. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned it. I mean, that just how bad the chargers offensive line has been for the past few years. That certainly has to be, you know, you don't really hear that a lot. A lot of times, you know, normally you, you think back, why did Eric Ebron come to Indianapolis? It was because of the quarterback, right? It, normally it's because of some flashy player they want to play with, but I love Phillip Rivers saying that because he's going to give credit to everybody. You know, you mentioned spreading the wealth of his receivers. He's going to give his offensive line credit whenever they do a phenomenal job protecting him, which we believe they will. Um, and Phillip Rivers is just a guy, man, that's just such a fiery competitor. He doesn't care how you win. He could scrap and claw and he could throw four interceptions, but if you come out and he and you, he throws a game winning touchdown, he doesn't care. Yep, you know that's just the type of player that Philip Rivers is. You got to love that as an offensive line, just knowing our quarterback has our back. Like he's yep. a guy that believes in us. He said he believes in us so much. He's going to sign with us, right? Potential future Hall of Fame quarterback believes we are the one of the best offensive lines in football. He believes in us and we want to protect him because we love our quarterback. So yep. I love that from Philip Rivers already. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned it, how, you know, the relationships with the uh, quarter backup quarterbacks, Philip Rivers has always been that kind of guy to have a great relationship with the backup quarterbacks. Um I, I know you and I kind of talked about it off air, but what do you, uh, what do you think? Like, do you think, Philip Rivers and Brissett and Eason and whoever else is on the roster. How, how important do you think that is that Philip maintains that kind of, if that's true, how that kind of relationship is, uh, how important is that for that quarterback room right now? Yeah, I think it's huge, especially with a guy like Jacob Eason. You know, I, I've been on record on this podcast saying if I was Philip River, if I was Jacob Eason, rather, I would be in Philip Rivers and Jacoby Reset's back pocket asking question after question after question, soaking yep. it all up. You know, he's not going to play ideally in a perfect world here in year one. He's going to sit behind a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's going to learn, you know, the ins and outs of the game from Philip Rivers, at least for one year, maybe multiple years. He's going to learn from Jacoby Brissett what it takes to be a pro. And, you know, both these guys, Rivers and Brissett, I know they display their passions in different ways. Both mm-hmm. these guys are fiery competitors as well. Yeah, you know, both absolutely. these guys. You, know, you even, you know, Jacoby Brissett's more of a soft-spoken guy. But you've seen his competitive nature come out. I mean, I remember last year, I kind of heard about this in training camp. Jacoby Brissett got on Devin Funches because Devin Funches did yep. something wrong. And they got into like this huge thing. And so Jacoby Brissett's not a guy that's, you know, he comes off as such an easygoing guy. But, you know, when it comes to winning, he wants to win as bad as anybody else. And so... I think that's great, especially because, you know, there's some concerns. Does Jacob Eason love the game? You know, there's questions about his character. I think sitting behind two high EQ type of guys in Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett, I think it's going to do wonders for Jacob Eason, you know, even off the field. You know, you talk and you mentioned all the stuff they do on the field, you know, just off the field, you know, just seeing how the, you know, how these guys conduct themselves, you know, two of the, the best pros on and off the field, I would argue, and Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett, I think it's going to be so invaluable for Jacob Eason. And again, it comes down to does Eason want to learn? Seems like he's doing it so far based off, off of Sirianni's comments. But, you know, it's up, to, it's up to him. But I think it's a perfect situation here for Jacob Eason, absolutely. Yeah, you're totally right on that. And let's go to the running backs here. So 
Um, Kevin Bowen had a few of these. Uh, Joel Erickson had a few of these as well, where Sirianni was calling the running back room a 1-1 punch with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Not a 1-2 punch, a 1-1 punch. Sees that He said it basically as he sees plenty of versatility in their skill sets. They're both just complete backs, you know, just they bring the whole package. They're, they're both not great receiving backs, uh, but then again, of course, at Wisconsin, that's not what Jonathan Taylor is used for, and obviously you have Naheem Hines with the Colts now, but, you know, he's just saying that I don't like to view them as a one-two punch because simply they have – they're so versatile in the way they play and they play so well together because like I said, they, they play so similar in a lot of ways and you know, you just view them as kind of the same player in a lot of ways because their their way they play together just fits. Um, so what do you, what's your reaction, Cody, to call Sirianni calling it a one, one punch because of their versatility of their skill sets. Yeah, I think it has to give confidence, especially to a guy like Marlon Mack. You know, when you typically, you know, when you draft a guy in your position, that means it's the end for you. And again, it could happen. Marlon Mack might want to go somewhere after this season. But I think you got to love that. Just just saying, you know, just hearing that from your offensive coordinator. You know, we believe that you guys are unique in different situations. You bring different things to the field. And we wanted to tap into that. We want to tap into all your guys' versatility. So for me, if I was Marlon Mack, I think that would give me some more confidence. Like, you know what? We're Instead of being at odds with each other, which I don't think Marlon Mack would do that anyway, you know, maybe this just brings Marlon Mack thinking, you know what? You know, I'm a team player, and I want to offer all I can to the Colts and prove, you know, I'm worth a second contract. Yeah. And, you know, whether that's with the Colts, whether that's not with the Colts, he, you know, he – I think this should be some good motivation for Marlon Mack knowing that just because we drafted a running back pretty early, Marlon – it doesn't mean we don't believe in you. It means right. that we believe in you and we want to add another guy that we think can also help elevate everybody around us. Yep. So, you know, overall, yeah, if I'm Marlon Mack, I think that this is a good thing to hear from your offensive coordinator just saying, you know, we don't – the thing I love that Nick Sirianni didn't say is he didn't say, yeah, it's going to be Jonathan than Marlon. He said it's going to be a 1-1 punch, right? So yep. I kind of think of it like this, you know, you have your, your back obviously on the, on the depth chart and that'll happen, you know, number one, number two. But for me, I feel like Nick Sirianni is basically saying, we feel like we have two number one running backs in yep. the same backfield and we were going to utilize them and utilize their skills for Marlon Mack, you know, just to hear that, especially the production that he's put up. I think that that just has to give him tons of confidence. Just like they believe that I'm still a number one back. I want to prove it. And maybe that, you know, this lights a little bit of a fire under Marlon Mack. He's been phenomenal. Maybe even more now Marlon Mack's like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to prove that Nick Sirianni is right when he calls me a number one back. So that's kind of what I took away from it. Yeah. So let's talk about the other running back that we haven't mentioned. It's the last thing I'm going to say about Sirianni before we go into Eberflus. Uh, They were obviously mentioning Naheem Hines and, uh, they asked Nick Sirianni about Naheem Himes' role out of the backfield. And he's mentioned Naheem is going to benefit big time from playing with Phillip Rivers. There's no question about that. And obviously, for obvious reasons, we know that Phillip Rivers has always liked a running back who could catch out of the backfield. We've seen that over the last few years with Austin Eckler. Uh, and Eckler's just made it big. I mean, that's ultimately what's helped Eckler to get that second contract that he now has. 
And, you know, it's the role that we've been trying to say with Naheem Hines for years now. We've been wanting him to be more used in the in the passing game, but it just hasn't really felt like he could. It feels like he could do more. It feels like he could always do more. It just always felt like we didn't put enough emphasis on, you know, getting him the ball out of the backfield, letting him use his skill set of agility and elusiveness to just make people miss in the open field. So you have to think with a guy like Philip Rivers, who obviously enjoys having that kind of uh, player out coming out of the backfield, it has to give you some absolute confidence and it has to give you some excitement to know we're finally going to use Naheem Hines the way he was meant to be used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm pulling up a stat here. So the last time that Philip Rivers, Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich were all on the same team back in 2015, all three of them were there. And the the running back that I want to compare Naheem Hines to here is Danny Woodhead, who I think you know, a guy that's not in the league anymore, but he was a receiving back as well. In 2015, Danny Woodhead had 80 catches, 755 yards, and six touchdown receptions. And so, you know, I think that, that just has to scream for Naheem Hines. He's going to see the ball a lot. You know, you've got a lot of mouths to feed now, especially with drafting Michael Pittman as high as you did. You know, Jonathan Taylor now being drafted as high as he was you got some more mouths to feed. And especially if, you know, what Nick Sirianni said about T.Y. Hilton, they want to get him involved. But I think Naheem Hines offers, you know, Phillip Rivers a good security blanket as well. Um, and, and the Colts just have so many weapons now from every position that I think it's just something where you have to be excited to see, man, what can they, what can Naheem Hines do? You know, you, every, it seems like every time Phillip Rivers has a receiving back, that receiving back sees a lot of passes his way. And it seems like it's going to be the same based off of the trends that we've seen. And especially Nick Sirianni, Frank Reich, and Philip Rivers, and Danny Woodhead. Now you throw Naheem Hines into that. Yeah. I think it's a match made in heaven here. I think it's going to be a great year for Hines. I think this is a year, you know, if there was one Colt, I would say the last few years has been criminally underused. It is definitely Naheem Hines. He's a guy yeah. that has just been explosive when he's gotten the ball, but he just has not gotten the ball as much as we feel like he should get the ball. But yep. now with Philip Rivers spreading the love around, I feel like Naheem Hines is poised for his best season by far. And I, and I don't even think it's going to be close to the production yeah. he's put on. Yeah, and not even to mention, you know, you, you talk, they praise so much about these wide receivers being able to block, right? And and you still have some uncertainty with that wide receiver group. You don't know the injury's sake or you know you don't know about who's going to really show up and when so having another receiving option like a Naheem Hines coming out of the backfield which makes it difficult for these linebackers to line up and stay with him and you know you're you praise these wide receivers being able to block Michael Pittman Zach Paschal and other guys and being able to set up screens because we know the Colts do really well with screens out of the backfield because the guys on the offensive line love to block. It just makes so much sense to try and use Philip uh, Philip Rivers with Naheem Hines so much more this year. And I'm super excited for that. A guy that I definitely think can uh, rise up to the occasion. So let's go now to Eberflus, Cody. Why don't you go ahead and start us with that one? Yeah, so Matt Eberflus was asked about, you know, last year the Colts did not do a great job at closing out games, and he was asked about that. And what Eberflus had to say was he basically felt like 
the most important thing with closing out games is the pass rush, which you know I think we can all agree with that. He thinks that the addition of DeForest Buckner, Kamoko Turi coming back, Justin Houston, uh, he says that, that the speed to the quarterback, they'll have plenty of opportunities to close out games with their pass rush. He really feels like their pass rush um, is going to be really, really good next year, um, which I think we agree with now, especially with the type of player we know DeForest Buckner is and what he brings compared to what the Colts had last year. It's not even close. I mean, DeForest Buckner just brings a whole new layer to this defense, especially to the defensive interior. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek, what are your thoughts here on the Colts kind of failing to close out games last year and, and Matt, e- Matt Eberflus's comments on this? Yeah, I mean, it's been an issue for us for a lot of years, you know, and it goes even beyond just the last two years and even last year. It's been a issue ever since Andrew Luck's been a cult, right? Well, you know, you talk about the previous GM and Ryan Grigson. We always loaded defensive guys with defense with a lot of older guys that had injury problems and and the defense just never really quite got used to having to stop teams, right? And then Eberflus comes in, you know, he tried to implement the the system and, you know, it, it got better. It's just still had its issues where we just weren't disciplined down the stretch and it made it difficult to close out games. And you're right. It's about, I think a lot of it more is about the defensive end, right? Cause you know, there's been a lot of times where even the last two years, the Colts have gotten away with a couple of times where, you know, that last drive, the team is pushing down the field, right? And they're trying to get that last touchdown, but the Colts get saved by a miraculous turnover that they somehow caused, um, you know, obviously it's always good to close out a game whenever you do do that, but you you, you want to try not to have the game end like that in the first place. So yeah, it, it, having Eberflus acknowledge the fact that we have to get better at closing out these games. I mean, we can't just keep getting into shootouts with these teams. We can't keep doing that. Even if our offense is better this year, which everyone assumes it will be, you can't, you just can't have that happen. And you know, adding a guy like DeForest Buckner, like you mentioned, helps that down the stretch. You know, he makes a few more plays and that can make a world of difference. But you're right. You're going to have to start relying on guys to become more consistent and just have to be more disciplined down the stretch. And we just have to get better at that. We can close games out a little better then we're going to save ourselves a lot more trouble down the road. And he was also asked about another addition. You know, we mentioned DeForest Buckner. He was asked about a free agent corner, Xavier Rhodes. And he talked, he was just praising Xavier Rhodes. He said, you know, we, we had him a few years ago in the Pro Bowl. And he said, I just fell in love with him in terms of his work patterns. He said, I'm amazed how that guy can move for how big he is. He said, he looks like a big safety. He's playing, and he's playing corner. He said, he's physical. He's a really good tackler, which you know the Colts are huge on that, especially from their corners. He said he's played at a Pro Bowl level. We're excited to get him back to that point. And he says we certainly feel great about Jonathan Gannon and Allen Williams, who were with the Minnesota Vikings when Rose was there at the back end coaching him because they have familiarity with him. And he said we're excited about where he is. He said we feel like he has a chip on his shoulder as well. I mean, we, and we feel like under the circumstances we're really excited to see what he brings. Uh, Derek, what are your thoughts here on kind of him talking about Xavier Rhodes and what the Colts think that they can get out of the 29-year-old corner? 
Yeah, we kind of mentioned this a lot when we did our breakdown video. If you guys haven't seen that, make sure you go watch that. Um, it, it, we mentioned how, again, you look at his resume and just what he brings. Uh, he brings that experience, brings that tenacity. He may not, he's not the corner he once was, and he never will be. He's a 29 years old. Odds are the best, the best years of his career might be behind him at this point. But again, if you can get him to stay healthy, if you can get him to be productive, if you can get him to be a teacher for all of these guys in the secondary, that goes a long way for later on down the road when that experience and that teaching is needed. That kind of thing is needed, especially in the secondary. Hold guys accountable because we've always said that, you know, our secondary is good in places, but it's still wildly inconsistent. If we can get a guy like Xavier Rhodes to become more consistent and be that role model for those kinds of guys in that secondary, it goes a long way to the development of this team and getting the character where we want it in that secondary, which is a lot more nasty, a lot more ferocious, and just more attack. Because that's ultimately what we want out of this uh, scheme that Eberflus is trying to get out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then going back to DeForest Buckner, you know, this is the debate, Derek, that we've had many a time on this podcast. You know, they said we asked the question, we could draft this, you know, he called it X player, like this certain player at 13, or would you rather have DeForest Buckner? And, I, and for the Colts, he said that was no question. He said, at least you know what you're getting with DeForest. You know, he's a guy that's a Pro Bowl talent, a high-level player. He's dominant at his position. Um, and he said, and that trickle-down effect to that defensive line is huge because um, he said, you know, with Justin Houston and DeForest, he said they're, they're different guys that can dominate their spots up front. Mm-hmm. He said it's also it's easier for the linebackers as well um, yep. especially if you're having a guy, you know, you're having a guy like the force Buckner dominating. And he said, you know, basically when he was, when he was asking this, um, when he was talking to Frank and they were talking about it with Chris Ballard, he basically just said, I had two words. Yes. And yes. He said, I was excited. <laughs> we started talking about getting to Forrest. He said, there was not any hesitation at all. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more in here and you can go check that out. I believe it's on YouTube on the Colts page. I'm a lot more on that, but yeah, I mean, Eberflus was pretty clear-cut here in saying, you know, there was no question. We wanted to force Buckner, and we believe that he is a dominant player and better than any guy we could get there at 13. Uh, Derek, we've already talked about this a little bit, but do you have any other thoughts on kind of what Matt Eberflus is saying here? Well, I'll just say this. Where are all those Colts fans that said that the 13th pick for DeForest Buckner is not good now? Where are they at now? Seriously, you wanted to keep mentioning it. We should have went with another player. We could have gotten, you know, CD Lamb at 13 or could have done something else at number 13. Again, you're getting a proven defensive tackle who's probably second best to his position to no one other than the best defensive lineman in all of football and Aaron Donald. And you're in. He's hitting his prime now. You have a definitive, you know what DeForest Buckner brings you. And that is totally worth the 13th pick. Again, I do not care what you think about defensive tackles being selected at 13th. Aaron Donald was selected before that. And look at where Aaron Donald is now. Just tell me that. And again, I I haven't seen it for a while now. I haven't seen 
anyone for the last two, three weeks telling me that that was a bad idea now, but now all of a sudden they, those ones have seemed to hide. So again, I, I love what Eberflus mm-hmm. is saying about DeForest Buckner. Yeah, and especially with a scheme that the Colts run, like they live and die by that three technique. I mean, that yep. the, the whole defense, you can argue pass rush from the defensive end, it's important, but that three technique, it completely drives this defense. To have a player like DeForest Buckner, a guy who's been an all-pro level talent, I mean, I just think it's a no-brainer. I agree completely, 100% with Matt Eberflus. I don't think, yeah, there was, there should have been no hesitation, and it's a good thing that the Colts and Matt Eberflus said the same thing. They're like, we are going to get a dominant player. We had three and a half sacks out of all our three techniques last year. Now we're going to have a guy that's, you know, I don't even know how much, how many he's, you know, triple, quadrupled that in one season. So, you know, it makes complete sense to me there. Um, now moving on to Malik Hooker. He was asked about Malik Hooker. We thought he would be. The Colts obviously recently declined Hooker's option, his fifth-year option. They decided to not pick it up. So after this season, if the Colts do not extend him, Malik Hooker will be a free agent. Um, but, you know, he was asked about Hooker, and he had this to say. He said, safety position for us, it's very important. They do a lot of different things. They have to be versatile. He said, when I watched Malik in practice last year, I really saw him step in terms of his practice. He said, I, I really saw you know, him stepping up a little bit. Um, and early in the season, I could see it. He said he really was starting to, he said, bust his tail, you know, getting – getting the way and doing what we're, we were telling him to do and coaching him to do. He said, I felt like he was taking steps in the right direction. You know, he said, basically, you know, he was playing really well. Um, what he has to do and everybody else has to do is be more consistent. And that's something we've talked about, you know, whether it's his play or whether it's also, you know, just staying healthy, you know, you have to be consistent. And he said, if you're going to be a high performing all pro player, the consistency just has to be there. And I totally agree with that. He says, mm-hmm. you're playing games doesn't fall far from practice, which there's a lot of stuff in there that, you know, could have some meanings that Matty Refluce did not expound upon. Uh, what are your thoughts here on kind of his comments on Malik Hooker? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been what I've what I've been saying about Malik Hooker a lot. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of people have their differing opinions on Malik, a lot of them saying that he's trash. I don't understand where that came from, but it's it is nice to hear Eberflus say that he saw positive steps in his practice effort um that definitely sounds like a it sounds a lot more like he you know is continuing with that maturity and wanting to get better as a player um again it's the consistency we've been saying this everybody's been saying it you're just needing to be more consistent in his play that's all and you know what the part of being versatile um, I think that's a lot of the reason why they wanted uh Blackman in the draft because you know Blackman's just a guy that you can throw into a whole bunch of different schemes and he'll just go out and do it. Um, that th- that might be something that they're looking to try and get Malik with. You know, I mean, they want to see him do more things other than just be the ball hawk that covers the back end of the of the defense. So. Um, I, 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 nothing new from me here when it looks at Eberflus. I, I expected that, uh, that answer. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's something in practice that he hasn't seen from hooker. You know, maybe it's something, it seems like every time you kind of look at, you know, different players that have kind of struggled and they've been, you know, 
they've been asked about it. They always go back to practice. You think Taekwon Lewis, right? He's a guy they talk about practice. He sees a practice better. They talk about Quincy Wilson the same way. He needs to practice better. So maybe it's something in practice that Malik Hooker just needs to, you know, you mentioned the consistency. Maybe there's something in practice that they need to still see from Hooker. And because of what they have or have not seen, they're like, we're not going to commit to him long-term unless we know he's going to be a guy that is going to be consistent for us. Cause that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for guys that are going to be great one game and then blowing coverages the next, you know, and that's, I think that's ultimately what it comes down to along with the health concerns that Malik Hooker has had as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, I tell, I think I agree with Matt Eberflus. I think he's right on par with kind of what we were thinking there. And then he was also um, asked a little bit more about replacing Jabal Sheard, right? Jabal Sheard has been a guy who was the first guy signed by Chris Ballard in 2017 when he became the general manager of the Colts. Colts elected to not re-sign him this offseason, which I know I kind of thought they were going to because Jabal Sheard has been such a great run defender presence in the last few years. You know, he hasn't done a ton in terms of the pass rush, but overall he's been a solid player for the Colts, but Apparently the Colts felt like they could move on. You know, they've invested second round picks, now multiple second round picks in defensive linemen. So it appears that they feel like we want to get, we want to see what some of these guys have. We want to give them more live reps in games and kind of see what we have with some of these guys we took pretty early. Um, but he was asked about replacing Jabal Sheard there. And he kind of talked about, you know, potentially using Danico Autry and Tyquan Lewis a little bit more outside and he said, there's been some talk about that. I certainly agree. It's something we should look at and something we're looking at. He said, we'll see how it plays out, but that's kind of a big thought for us. He said, that's what Autry and Taekwon did before. They've yep. both done it. They played left, they played right, and they played inside. He said, having players like that, uh, it is a good thing for that. And so, you know, that's kind of what my thoughts were too a little bit, Derek, because especially, you know, you mentioned DeForest Buckner, right? You trade for him. He's going to be your three technique of the near future. You just sign him through his a huge extension you bring in Sheldon Day you have Grover Stewart right you have Danico Autry obviously we talked about you draft uh, Robert Windsor and you have some others amongst that so there's there's kind of a log jam in the defensive interior yep. and so especially with the loss of Jabal Sheard who's been a pretty solid player for you and and both of these guys have played defensive end at, at certain points with the Colts I think it makes a lot of sense to get guys Moving, moving guys around, getting guys who can play all four positions on that defensive line. Uh, Derek, what are your thoughts here with with kind of potentially the Colts using Tyquan Lewis and Danico Watry more at defensive end? Yeah, I mean, without those two names, you have four guys on that defensive tackle spot that you know for a fact that you have. So, of course, you want to move guys around. I mean, obviously, Justin Houston's there on one end, but obviously, Justin Houston's not going to be there forever. Justin Houston's probably only got a few years left in him. And obviously, Ture, as good as what he can be, we don't know that yet. He's still young. And with Ben Banigou, you know, of course, they say they want to use him for a lot of different packages. They want to use him for uh, kind of a hybrid outside linebacker, defensive end kind of guy. So he's, you know, in different ways. And then, you know, you have Al-Qadi Muhammad, that, you know, get some playing time as well. But that defensive end spot, it, it, again, like you mentioned, Danico Autry and Tyquan Lewis have done both before. They know how it is. And it's good that you can have that versatility. We need that versatility in guys like that. So it, it definitely is not a bad idea to entertain that, especially if, 
you know, if you're a Taekwon Lewis or a Danico Autry who, you know, both of their tails are on fire at this point, they need to prove something to these guys. I mean, not as much for Danico Autry, just, but because, you know, obviously last year, Danico Autry didn't have a great year. Taekwon obviously being on the hot seat, uh, whatever play time you can get at whatever position it is, I, I think would be perfect for them and whatever, whatever pro- productivity they can give us, if whether it's on defensive end or defensive tackle uh, is very much appreciated. And I think it makes a good argument for them to keep on the roster. If they show that we can play defensive tackle and defensive end and still be productive while doing it. Right. And versatility is a huge deal. I mean, it really is on the offensive and defensive line. You can have guys that can play all those positions. It's just invaluable. You can move guys around wherever you need to different packages. You mentioned it just, it helps you out so much. And you have a lot of guys that you drafted who have a lot of potential you feel like, and just to know that you have guys that can play really anywhere, especially, you know, with some of those second round guys who have probably will play more of end, right. They're more of your speed type of guys in Kamoko Ture and Ben Banigou. Now you have other guys that can be better on, you know, rundowns who guys who can shift inside if need be. I think that's just so invaluable for what you want to do on defense. And I certainly think, yeah, it's going to be something that if both these guys can be productive and put up, you know, good reps whenever they're called upon, I think it's certainly going to be a great thing for the Colts and just for this defense overall. But that'll do it for this podcast, guys. Thank you so much for your listening and and just your comments, your kind words. We appreciate it so much. Uh, Let us know your thoughts on the Matt Eberflus and Nick Sirianni different press conferences, kind of your thoughts on some of the topics that we've discussed today. We'd love to hear your take on it. But for Derek and myself, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it as always. And as always, go Colts.